Welcome to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Nenny and Associates. I'm your host, Jim Schaefer. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Nenny and Associates is an executive search firm focused on the building efficiency industry, hence why we named the podcast the way that we did. And simply put, we help our clients find the right talent. And each week, we sit down with leaders from the industry to discuss their backgrounds, how they got started, and where they see the industry going. We also get to know our guests and find out what drives them to be successful. So on today's episode, episode eight, we sit down with Rhonda Courtney, who is the director of ESCO Business Development at Eco Engineering. We know Rhonda for the better part of a decade now, so it was really cool to spend time with her, finding out about her background at Honeywell and how she transitioned into the lighting retrofit industry. You'll also want to stick around until the end to hear about Rhonda's advice that she'd like to give to her 22-year-old self. You don't want to miss that part of the episode. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a five-star review. We really do think you're in it. You're going to enjoy this episode. So let's drop in. All right. Welcome everyone to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today, we are sitting down with Rhonda Courtney, who is the Director of ESCO Business Development at Eco Engineering. Rhonda, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Well, it made sense because you've been one of the more requested guests to come on the podcast. And I know you, you've had a relationship with Nenny and Associates for the better part of a decade. So I think it really made sense to get you on the show here. So appreciate you making the time. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And uh, you're right. I've been around a long time. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I, I know we've just had a, a good relationship with you over the years. So um, it's been really good to uh, just get to know you over this period of time. And um, I think our our audience is going to be really excited to hear about your background, your story, and kind of what you're up to today. So I think that's a good place to start. Can you just, uh, for the people out there who don't know who you are, can you bring us up to speed? Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, you bet, Jim. I'd be honored to. I've uh, had a great career, so it's uh, fun to talk about. And and doing this podcast, it's been nice to reflect a bit and think about the milestones that, that have helped me get here today. Anyway, I worked with Honeywell for 20 years. Out of those 20 years, I worked in space and aviation and uh, finance in Clearwater, Florida, where I was born and raised. And then uh, we got an opportunity in Nashville, um, and I ended up the last seven of those 20 years in home and building control. So I transferred with Honeywell. But you know, one of the things, and I reflect back about how I did that, because you know, it's difficult when you go from different business units. You, you know, I knew nothing about home and building control. But when I was in finance in Clearwater, I'd actually developed and implemented and rolled out a peer recognition program among my peers. And little did I know that, that the, the success of that program would ultimately help me transfer. But it was really successful in Clearwater. And then they sent me out to Phoenix and to Minneapolis. So when I um, showed up at home and building control in Nashville, um, many people know John Mahoney. He was the general manager at the time. He's since retired. But John said, what do you know about our, bus- our business unit? And I, of course, said, well, nothing. <laughs> uh, but I was real eager, and he called all my references, and I was fortunate. He gave me a position in measurement and verification. And that's really where I learned about all the mechanics of performance contracting and big fan. Great program. Learned about the guarantee and, and the power of that program. And then after about three years of that, I raised my hand and went into sales. So I was there in sales about, well, I guess two years, and I got a tremendous opportunity once again. I, I just look back and think, how, how does it happen? But at the time, uh, the young lady had sold a program to a large city school district, and uh, she was promoted. And 
So they asked me to take that position over. And the only unfortunate thing is that the superintendent that worked with her for two or three years left with her. Like he left, she Mm -hmm. left. And I came to this big project and the associate superintendent that started the time absolutely got the value of performance contracting. And just to, you know, briefly talk about that, because I, I think there's so much power if you, if you look at, at what a program can do, if it's done with, you know, true understanding, but it was a large school district. We upgraded lighting in over a hundred schools, which generated about a million dollars in energy savings that otherwise would have gone to the utility. So the school district and the, and the city knew the value of that. So they bonded that project for 20 years and they took that money and they looked at their deferred maintenance. So we upgraded 30 chillers, 19 automation systems and eight boilers. And we did all of that work with money that they just would have paid the utility year over year. So we uh, designed and implemented that within two and a half years. It was a tremendous project. Yeah. So it's a couple things to un- unpack there. So when, when was this? How long ago? So that was back in 19, actually um, 1999. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So not necessarily performance contracting was still around back then, but still relatively new, correct? No, I think performance contracting, some will say it was back in the 80s. So yeah, right, it right. had okay. been around a really long time. But All right. So people were familiar with, with the concept. And sure. then also at that time, you got into sales. So what, what prompted the transition from previously uh, and those different business units within Honeywell? What prompted you to raise your hand to get into sales at that point in your career? Yeah, that's a great question, Jim, because I, I, I would have never in a million years uh, being young, thought I would go into sales. However, I just bought, thought the program was so uh, it, it was so helpful and it made such an impact, and I really believed in it. So when that position came open, um, you know, I, I just raised my hand because I really thought that uh, I could make an impact there. And certainly, think about the impact to that school district in that time period, and to be a part of that was was you know something else in my career for sure. Yeah, no, that's uh, that sounds like a yeah huge huge milestone project, and I know Honeywell was one of the trailblazers in energy performance contracting. So it was probably a you know great company to work with and kind of get your first start uh, in, in the sales account executive role at the time, and that kind of like laid the foundation for the rest of your career, right? Because you continued to move into sales, sales leadership. So maybe pick us up. So you had a great run at Honeywell for twenty years, but where did you go after that? And maybe bring yeah, us so- up to speed to where you're at today. Absolutely. So while that district went ahead and did seven more phases, Honeywell kind of got out of the uh, business in my region. And I had two young boys and I really wasn't movable. They certainly would have moved me somewhere else. But um, I used to always say, uh, if you don't do anything, do at least do lighting, you know, really get the benefit of that. So I went into the lighting industry and I spent the last 20 years there, but I've never lost, um, you know, the value of what performance contracting does. So I have remained in the ESCO arena for the last 20 years. So, um, you know, it, it, when, when you believe in something and, and you're able to really continue to take that to market, so lighting, you know, almost every performance contract has lighting in it. So I uh, went to a small company, uh, regional company and helped them go national. And I stayed there for about eight years. And then in 2008, and I think we all know what happened in 2008 with the economy, I was fortunate to uh, be contacted by a LED manufacturer. And that manufacturer was way ahead of their their time, um, and that was energy focused. But they uh, they I, I went there, and within no time at all, uh, uh, they ended up buying the little company that I left. But in no time at all, we were, we were talking about LEDs, but we weren't selling them. The lamps were about eighty dollars, so it, it just wasn't the timing was early. 
Um, but I was fortunate to, to learn all about LED back in that time. And then over, you know, the next eight years, certainly performance and, and all those things um, came together for me. And then uh, Energy Focus kind of shifted their, their approach to market. And I was fortunate to get a position with Ecoengineering. And I've been there the last three years. Oh, that's great. And tell us a little bit about Ecoengineering, you know, how you guys are going to market today and, and just kind of where, where you guys are at right now as an organization. You bet. And once again, when I went into LED, it was early on, and I feel like that, that with Eco. Eco Engineering is a engineering firm, and about 50% of their business is commercial and industrial, and the other 50% is uh, performance contracting. So for me, looking at Eco Engineering, they really focus in on lighting and controls. That's their core business. And they had um, audited, designed, and implemented and commissioned over 20 million square feet of controls in the commercial in industrial space. So for me, three years ago, I knew eventually that the controls were going to become common knowledge within ESPC and, mm-hmm. co- and common market. And sure enough, ECO is really leading that effort. So we look at every project three different ways. We, we really look at it from a cost efficiency and economic um, design, future technology ready to fully integrated. Every project we sell today has some form of controls in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, um, you talk about where, where the industry's heading, right. You know, you think about IOT and, and, you know, control. So, you know, just, uh, to build on that, you know, as you look at the the future of, of lighting retrofit and, and ESPC and maybe kind of bundle it all together, you know, Rhonda, based on your experience and and your knowledge here in the market, if if you were to pull out your, your crystal ball and Mm -hmm. look into the future, you know, where do you see the future and kind of the industry heading here? IOT is Internet of Things is absolutely the catalyst. And, and I think companies such as ours that work with energy service companies that really sit down and look at, at the holistic systems in, in their holistic form will have some form of controls. It'll be connected, uh, you know, safety. And you think about um, um, asset tracking. There's so many things. So today, if you're, if you're not implementing a lighting system with that in mind, then you're actually doing yourself a disservice. So we really need to be looking at lighting controls, how they're connected, what what the ultimate goal for that uh, end user is, and design projects to that degree. Yeah, and I think this uh, this could be a topic for a whole other podcast or people much uh, much smarter than me. But uh, you, you got to think like uh, where we're at, kind of this next evolution of you know facilities starting to open up again with COVID nineteen and uh, the coronavirus. I mean, where IoT is going to come into play? What just tracking data, tracking information. You got to think all these light fixtures that are hanging up in buildings are got to be the main conduit. I mean, what, what do you think about that? What we're seeing, Jim, is designs were about controlling fixtures, and now fixtures are becoming a bigger part of the solution. Our engineers are looking at people and asset tracking, human centric lighting, and even ultraviolet, all of which have some kind of impact on health, safety, and can even influence the behavior. Yeah, and I got to think. Eco-engineering, just based on what I know about the company, has got to be uniquely positioned for this type of environment, right? Since you guys are vendor neutral, vendor agnostic, whatever you want to call it, a lot of these manufacturers are probably reaching out to you saying, hey, here's what we're doing, and then your engineering team can evaluate whether it makes sense for the customer or not, right? I, I would think, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we're a member of all these key national organizations, and I, it's imperative that, that we understand the trends and what's happening and and advocacy and really being a part of that. So we take leadership roles. I personally sit on several board of directors, but we we participate in light fair 
and you're right. Right now, where we see the best jobs, Jim, from eco engineering's perspective, is when we are integrated into the team that's developing the project for the end user. You know, when we're there, we we can give you every design strategy that really makes the best impact for that that end user. And that's where we do our best work. It's exciting times. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I think that's a good way to uh, to kind of wrap up our part of the show there, talking about you know where you're at and the the technology part of it. And I wanted to transition here to to the last part of the show where you know I'm going to ask you some tough questions, uh, same four <laughs> questions that I ask no. to uh, to every guest that uh, that comes on the show. And I wanted to start off, Rhonda. What are your daily non-negotiables? Well, it was interesting when you asked me that, Jim. But I, I you know, for me, I, I think it, it's just stand, stand for. I'm a woman of faith. And uh, integrity and doing the right thing. And I try to do that day in and day out. So not negotiable. Excellent. And uh, if we were to rewind the clock a, a few years, what advice would you give to your 22-year-old <laughs> self? Just oh, a few. You're, you're so kind. Oh, I'd say lean in. I'd say stretch. Um, you know, the times I look back and I thought, you know, I, I maybe put myself out of the comfort zone is when I grew the most. Um, don't put boundaries around yourself and, and, and just don't show up. Take leadership. Be a leader in the industry that you serve. Oh, that's, that's, uh, that's great advice. And uh, I think I, I needed to hear that message here today too. Um, so the, the next part here, what, Brandon, what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, I think just getting things done. I love, I love the achievement. I love looking back and going, man, that, that was great. And being a part of something bigger than, than myself, but, or, you know, leaving it better than when I showed up. But yeah, yeah being a part of something that uh, I can make an impact for sure. No, I'm glad you said that. That kind of um, that mirrors uh, sort of what uh, what Julie Chesna said on the last episode. You know, I asked her yeah. a similar question or the same question, and she said, "You know, every day I try to move the needle forward. Right, I'm trying to do one thing to to progress and and try to make something happen. So I think that's something real practical that we could all take into our in our daily lives. So, um, all right, last question here, Rhonda. What do you want your lasting legacy to be? Yeah, I, I want I want people to go. When she showed up, she tried to do everything she could, and she did make a difference. And and for me, it's about living in the present. I think that's how you do that the best. Today's a gift, and we ought to enjoy it and work hard. And then uh, you know, do uh, do the best that you can every day. That's for sure. No, that's that's perfect and and wise words there. I think that's a great way to to wrap up our latest show here of the Building Efficiency Podcast. So, Rob, thanks for coming on. Hey, Jim, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right. All right. So there you have it. Episode eight with Rhonda Courtney. Really enjoyed this one. And we wish Rhonda best of luck during the rest of her time there at Eco Engineering. And I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did enjoy it, please be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcast. So we also hope you're sharing this with your friends and colleagues as well. If you're finding value in this content. And one last thing, if you have ideas for future guests from the industry, I'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to me. We'd love to hear from you loyal listeners who have been tuning in here. So until next time, I'm Jim Schaefer, and we'll catch you on the next episode.